and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. verse 16 and 17 it says for i am not ashamed of the gospel of christ it is the power of god unto salvation to everyone that believes to the jew first and also to the greek for therein is the righteousness of god revealed from face to faith as it is written the just shall live by faith what really just blesses me with that verse and what jumps out is the fact that the power of god is in the gospel it's not in some things it's in the gospel, the message of the gospel, which is uh, what Jesus has done for us and freely offers us. Okay, so that's where the power of God lies. That's where we find the power of God. Now, if we look at the church by and large, there's a lot of parts of the church which are seeking power of God in everything but the gospel. That's why we have to come back to this and go, the power of God is in the message of the gospel. Because the message of the gospel, it, it, in it is the, the, the message of the righteousness of God. So when you believe the gospel, it makes you righteous. That's what this is showing us. Then it gives you right standing with God. It, it makes us right before God. And um, righteousness is really the key to bold faith. Righteousness is a key to seeing your faith work. Because Romans chapter 18, I think it is verse 1, says the righteous are as bold as a lion. So if you want to have boldness and have faith like that, you've got to know your identity. And this is the beauty of the gospel, is it gives you a new identity. Okay? You believe the gospel, you don't do the gospel. But when you believe the gospel, this verse is saying, then uh, uh, it makes you a new creation. Okay, 2 Corinthians 5.17. It makes you a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. It makes you a child of God. You have the new birth. Now you're filled with the Spirit. Now this is your new nature. This is who you are. This is all good news. Okay? And this is the power to live the Christian life. And we've said this uh, time and time again. But this message doesn't, isn't just something that, oh, I believe this message. This uh, is a new direction or something. The message gives birth to a completely um, new person. It's not just a new belief system that you have. It's a new life. And that's how we've got to see it. Like if, I mean, you were dead, the Bible says, and now because you believe the gospel, his spirit, he's come to live inside of you. You're, you're, you're his dwelling place. You're one with him. That should change things for us as Christians. Why doesn't it? Because we don't know that. We're not familiar with what happened to us at salvation. We're not familiar with the new creation realities. We're, not, we're more familiar with the natural world, the natural feelings and things like that. And not with Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so when we look at this verse, 1 Corinthians, uh, not 1 Corinthians, Romans chapter 1. We're going to 1 Corinthians 15 now. But Romans chapter 1 we see that the power of God for salvation is in the gospel. Okay? And that's obvious, we would say, but we don't live like that often because we don't, we don't realize that's where the power is. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 3. It says... Paul writing and he says for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received okay now I have to pause there and say the phrase first of all in other translations it's saying of um, great importance or the most important thing so what he's about to tell us is the most important thing we need to know what he's about to tell us is the most important thing we need to know okay and um yeah, as I've meditated on this over the weekend, even at the men's camp, it was a case of this applies to every situation and challenge that we could be facing in this room. What is the most important thing we need to know? Like you might be thinking it's, it's this or it's that or whatever, but this is the most important thing we need to know. 
Okay, he says, I delivered unto you, first of all, the most important thing which I've received. How that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, according to Genesis to Malachi. Okay, according to the scriptures. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. So, why would this be the most important thing that we need to know? Because... Because of his death, now you're forgiven. Because of his, his resurrection, you're justified. You're made right with him. The new birth comes because of the resurrection. So because of his death, burial, and resurrection, which was taught about from uh, Genesis to Malachi, and now the death, burial, and resurrection is the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. Because of this, we have this new life. We, he's given birth to a new creation. And so this is showing us that the most important thing to know is your new creation realities. That you're forgiven. Because you can't live bold if you don't realize that you're forgiven. That you're a new creation. That you're filled with His Spirit. This is, why is this the most important thing to know when you're facing whatever challenge you can imagine? Because that is the answer to overcoming. Is realizing who you are in Christ. Yes, you might need some business wisdom, you might need some financial whatever, you might need this, you might need that, but at the essence what you need is to know who you are in Christ. And that will help you to overcome. Because like 1 John 5 says, uh, anyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah is born of God. And then verse 4 says, this is the victory that has overcome. Or it says, if you believe you're born of God, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So, because now we're born of God, you've got to think of yourself as, I'm like God. I am not God, but I'm like God. <laughs> okay, I'm one with Him, actually. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. I'm one with Him. So His Spirit, His DNA is now in me. The life source of God is... I'm one with that. So that changes things. That can help me overcome health challenges, can help me overcome, uh, 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 gives me wisdom for life. Everything I need is in who I am in Christ. Okay? So that's why this is the most important thing. But the other thing that I want to throw in there is the gospel is Satan's defeat. The gospel is Satan's defeat. And we, we maybe we'll talk about this the next couple of weeks. Um, and getting into um, maybe a little bit of uh, a spiritual warfare and, and the armor of God and things like that. But um, the cross, the death, the burial, the resurrection is Satan's defeat. A lot of Christians don't believe that. Yes, he's still a factor, but he's less of a factor than we make him out to be. And it's because we, we're not familiar with the new creation realities that we have. Okay? So that's a, a teaser for next week. But... It's, 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 uh, it's Satan's defeat, and the gospel is also your victory. The gospel is your victory. That's why you need to know this. You need to be... This is why we, we go to church regularly, and we do Bible studies, and we have community, because we need to be reminded of new creation truths. We need to be reminded of the gospel. It's the gospel message which the gospel community gathers around. It's the gospel message which the gospel community gathers around. And the gospel community, the good news people, should be uh, uh, fellowshipping around and meditating on and speaking the good news. Okay, we're not reminding each other of who we are in the natural. We should be reminding each other of who we are in Christ, the new man. Okay, look at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. From verse 9 to 14. This is a, one of the, Paul, um, the prayers of Paul. And I like it. It says, For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that you be filled with the knowledge of His will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now I want to pause there and say, um, Paul's prayer is that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now if you go and look at Ephesians chapter 1 and you look at Paul's prayers there, it's very similar. He's not praying 
for anything other than a revelation. So what is the thing that you need the most in a challenging situation? It's a revelation. In any part of your life, what is the thing that you need the most? It's a revelation. It's not, and I'll even say this, it's the revelation. It's not a revelation. It's the revelation. Okay? It's not more power. It's not more whatever. It's always more knowledge, understanding of the spiritual revelation. Okay? And then he says that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So what that's saying is that this knowledge should have a fruitfulness, should have results. What is it? It causes your walk to go in the right direction. It causes you to walk worthy. So you could say the knowledge of His will causes you to walk in His will. So the more you know the revelation of Jesus, the more you're going to start to walk in His will. You're not going to have to know His will because you'll be walking in His will. You'll know what His will is. I think I shared this last week. A Christian shouldn't be asking God, what's your will for me? Because the more we come to know Him, it should just be that we know it in, in us. And it's not wrong if you don't know. It just means, hey, let's grow a bit. Okay? But the key for that is uh, uh, seeking knowledge, spiritual wisdom, understanding. Strengthened with all might, verse 11. According to the glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. One, we're in Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance in the saints in light. Verse 13 and 14 are the key here. Who has, past tense, delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. So this is showing us what the gospel, faith in the gospel, faith in Christ and His gospel, His good news, what this has done for us. It's taken us out of a kingdom of darkness and placed us in a kingdom of light. Okay? So it's taken us out of the, 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 the dominion of darkness and put us in the dominion of Christ. This is a past tense thing. So the, 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 this is why when it feels like all hell is breaking loose and when it feels like the enemy is coming at you with his army, you need to know the gospel. You need to know the gospel realities or the new creation realities. You need to be reminded of uh, uh, what the, the, the believing the gospel has made you. Because now that will cause you to rise up and say, but... I'm not under that kingdom anymore. I'm in a different kingdom. I'm, and You know, it doesn't happen automatically. You've got to know these things, and then you have to enforce these things. Is there law and order just because there's laws? <laughs> it's not a trick question. You walk out here and you'll see there's, there's sometimes not very much law and order. There's law, but not much order. Let's put it like that. So, you know, the, the, the thing is, is that we've got police officers who, what do they do? They create laws. It's not a trick question. They don't create laws. You should know this. Come on. <laughs> Your dad's a police officer. So, you know, they, you, you, they don't create laws. They enforce them. And so, you know, law and order is, is um, uh, we're in a different kingdom now. We didn't create the laws. We didn't set up how it works. But we need to stand our ground and say, ah, I've got authority, like a police officer would. This is what God says. So now this is how it has to be. You get that? Like, so we're not making anything happen except enforcing what God wants. Because what God wants doesn't just happen. How do we know that? Look at your life. <laughs> That's how we know what God wants doesn't happen automatically. If you think your life is the way God wants it, look at someone else's life. Okay? Anyway, that's just a bit of sovereignty issues there. Verse 14. So it says, who has delivered us, past tense, out of the, uh, the kingdom of dark, power of darkness, and translated us in the kingdom, into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. This is the good news gospel that we need to know, that we have redemption. You're not trying to be redeemed. You are redeemed, and you have forgiveness of sins. You're not trying to be forgiven. You've been forgiven. That's good news, right? This is the message that we gather around. And sadly, 
A lot of Christian communities don't gather around the, the, the central points of Jesus and what He's done for us and what it's done. You know, and now I'm forgiven. Now we're new creations and whatever. They gather around other things. Maybe even some gather around like prophetic ministry. That's not church. Church gathers around the gospel and feeds off the, the gospel. And yes, there's prophetic ministries and there's all sorts of things in that. But that's not the purpose of church. The purpose of church we're going to get into just now. But the thing is, it's like this good news message changes us. It transforms us. It gives us a new family. And we can talk a lot about now who we are in Christ and all those kind of things. And we do that often. But we gather around the message. So moving on from there, the purpose of our gathering then. We receive this message. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 speaks about how... Um, we uh, uh, um, believe the message and now we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And so now we are new creations. Amen. It bursts us into the church in a way. Because now we're part of this worldwide family, this universal family. Okay. And uh, lots of people who become Christians don't really understand now what is church. Understandably and sadly. Because there's a lot of stuff that um, bad, rep, bad pictures of what church is. But then at the same time, there's also a lot of, um, we're influenced by world culture to judge churches according to world culture, not the Bible. What do I mean by that? A small church isn't worse than a big church. <laughs> we don't judge churches by the numbers. We don't judge ministry by finances. We don't judge, the, that, that's the way the world would judge a business. How many uh, uh, followers do you have? Uh, uh, how many clients do you have? How, how much money are you making? Those are not the things that you use for ministry and church to determine, is this the will of God? Is this what God wants? How do we know that? Because lots of cults have a lot of people. Amen? And there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, an ungodly person can come and rent out Cape Town Stadium and fill it to listen to their ungodliness, whatever it is. I don't know, you pick your, your ungodly person there. But I'm just showing you, like, you don't need Jesus to, to pull a crowd. You don't need Jesus to make money. Have you learned that? Some of you don't believe me. There's a lot of wealthy people in the world that did it without Jesus. Jesus didn't come for the tangible. He influences the tangible, but He came for your eternal salvation. And that affects you right now, most certainly. Most certainly. But, we need to keep things in priority. Okay? So, you know, what's the purpose of coming to church? Or, what's the purpose of church? We live in a, a time when spiritual things are, are abused a lot. You know, I follow a lot of the abusers on uh, uh, Instagram because uh, it's, it helps me remind myself of what's going on in the world because otherwise I just think this is it. And I'm just content and I'm happy. And then I at least see some of the crazy and I'm like, you know what, we've got work to do. You know, there, there's more work that we need to do. Because um, the, here's the thing, if spiritual things are abused, you don't get the benefit from that spiritual truth. Let me put it like this. We believe the Word of God is powerful, right? We believe that, that, I mean, this. you take something that God said in here. The devil also speaks in here. So you mustn't take what the devil said. <laughs> or what other people said. Job's foolish friends. Don't take that. But look for what God said in here. And take what God said. And then when you speak it, that's like God speaking, right? It's powerful. That's really powerful. Okay? The Word of God is contained in the Bible. It's just a thought. But the point is that you take a scripture out of context and it's not going to benefit you. You know, you, you, you're, going to, you're an Olympic athlete. And now you're going to go and you, you, you're getting ready. You're like, you're going to break the world record. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. You tattooed it on your face and wherever else. And now you're like, I, I can do that. Nothing. It's not going to work. It doesn't work like that. What is the context of that? Nothing to do with sports. Nothing to do with gym. I can do all things through Christ Jesus. That's not going to help you. See, we've got, to, we've got to look at spiritual truth in context because what it's intended for is what it's going to accomplish. 
Okay? So many have a messed up view of church. So we need to, we need to kind of look at this and, and say, you know, what is the purpose of church and, and all of this? And, you know, we, we, we've got a couple of statements that we always say, and I'm going to just read them out and we'll move on. But we gather as a community to grow in our relationship with God and each other. That's talking about teaching, which uh, helps us to get uh, into a deeper level of intimacy with God. And we're not just born again into a personal relationship with God. Go look, study the New Testament. There's no such thing as a personal relationship with God. I challenge you to find it in the Bible. There's no such thing as a personal relationship with God. You're born again. You have a relationship with God. Yes, it's by yourself in your room at times. But every single person who received the gospel in the Bible was born again into family. So your relationship with God is our relationship with God. And a lot of the times the Bible speaks about you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. It's talking about us, not you. Yes, God lives in you. Yes, you're one with Him. But there's a huge emphasis in the Bible on us. But we read the letters of the New Testament as if this is God's love letter to me. And it's not written to you. It's written to the church at Ephesus, the church at Colossae, the church at wherever. It's not written to dear old Anna. <laughs> you know, it's not written to you just by yourself. It's written to us. Old was very loose. Very loose. It wasn't really descriptive. Anyway. <clears throat> so... We, we, we grow in our relationship with God and each other. So we're family. You can't get rid of each other. To, and then we, we gather to partake, in the, the, uh, partake of the Spirit together. That's talking about how we all have the Spirit. And so, you know, we, we, we're seeking God and we're like, Father, we get words. Like there's a verse which speaks about how you know, someone comes with a song, someone comes with a psalm. You know, and, and we all kind of bring something to the party so that we can all benefit from it. So it builds us all up. So that's why we want to say, hey, anyone got a word? Because maybe you were in tune and God, you, know, you heard God speaking in your heart and now you've got a word for someone. You know, long before I was in full-time ministry, I was coming to church giving words to people. Not from the pulpit, but sometimes from the pulpit, but mostly in the, the, the service. And I was, that, that's what we're talking about. It's like, don't limit God to the pulpit. He wants to minister through you all the time, but especially in the service. That's what uh, 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 Friday ministry night's all about as well. So that's why it's, it's always exciting, because we stir up each other to, to step out. And then to be equipped to live the abundant life in Christ. All of those things talk about teaching. All of those things need teaching there. So let's look at this verse. For, um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 16. Okay? It says... And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, talking about leadership gifts in the church, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that henceforth we be no more children tossed to and fro. And carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Let me pause there, because that's already loaded. So it's saying, leadership in the church, the gifts of leadership in the church, are there to perfect the saints for the work of the, medicine, uh, the ministry. To, to equip us, to build us up, to edify us, to encourage us. For what aim? Maturity. Okay? That's talking about the church context and it's saying that church leadership is there to equip the saints to mature, to come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. How do we come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? Through teaching. Primarily. It's through receiving good teaching. It's not through the worship ministry. That's awesome, but that's not how we grow. We grow through the Word. Okay? We don't grow through prophetic gift. We grow through the Word. Okay? We don't grow through evangelism. We reach people through evangelism. <laughs> but we grow through the understanding of the doctrine of Christ. Okay? And then it says um, that henceforth we be no more children. So God's will is that you wouldn't stay a child. Amen? 
God's will is that you wouldn't stay immature. That's what it's saying. <laughs> that you would grow up. Okay? And uh, that we wouldn't be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, but we would be secure. That we would be established. Okay? That's talking about that we would be fruitful. That we wouldn't just be kind of consumers even. A, a child is primarily a consumer. Immaturity is a consumer. God's desire is that you would grow up and be a partaker. And so we start off just by coming to church. We start off just by coming and receiving. Gimme, gimme, gimme. <laughs> I need, I need, I need. And that's fine. That's, that's, that's where we all start there. Lucas is going to experience that with a baby from tomorrow. That's what happens when you have a baby. You know, gimme, gimme, gimme. And you look after and you don't sleep and you feed and all of these things. Just a wake up call for you at the back there. <laughs> but then what, what happens is, is we grow up and we learn to take care of ourselves and we learn to be a blessing to other people. And those are the people that are the best uh, citizens or even church members are people that are, are, are established, people that are secure and add value to other people's lives now because they've allowed themselves to mature. You can be an 80 year old baby in the, the church of God because it's not about years and it's not about looks and it's not about whatever it's about the maturity in the word okay then it says but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head even Christ from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that uh, which every joint supplies According to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto edifying of its own self of itself in love. So this is saying that edifying or building up is the purpose of the gathering of the believers, build you up individually through knowledge, which builds us up together as you start to function in your maturity. And so what builds a church? I'm going to pause that there and say this. You can build a church through good social media and through good marketing and through good music and through good everything else. I've been to those conferences and they teach those things. How do you, how do you have a good church? Number one, make sure Sunday is an amazing experience. Make sure the worship is phenomenal. Make sure the kids' church is something that the kids are begging their parents to bring them back to this church. Surprise people with a gift now and then. Ice cream or whatever. You know, like, like these are all like gimmicks. And then what do they say? When it comes to the word, keep it short. When it comes to the word, don't move in the gifts. Don't talk about things that are, are uncomfortable. You want to encourage people so that they come back. Because then they'll give. Why? Because then you've got a ministry that can do things. And it'll grow. <laughs> You don't see that in the Bible. You see people committed to a message and to a community. Not committed to, I'm not having my needs met. Not committed to, I just don't feel the, the presence of God when uh, whatever. You know, it, it's not about you. It's about you growing up to be a blessing to all. And uh, uh, how do we build a church? It's by building into you so that we can build like you grow the church by growing individuals what did jesus say he said go into all the world and plant churches right go into all the world matthew chapter 28 and make disciples make disciples so disciple is someone who's receiving the word being established in truth so that they are a fruitful follower of christ that's the aim and what happens as the result of making disciples is church Church is the result of making disciples. So, real conversation this week with Central Elders meeting. Okay, the Central Elders are the, uh, uh, the, the uh, there's four of us who oversee the whole ministry, all the different campuses, and we meet once a month, and we, we always have to meet for, you know, kind of like legal reasons and make sure that the leaders are doing well and this and that, the next thing. And on paper... According to uh, worldly wisdom, now we, and we acknowledge this, we should shut this church down. Grace Life Rondebosch. Because we're running at a 28,000 rand loss. 
because we don't have a lot of people who are coming regularly and because it's not growing quickly. But with wisdom from God and the overseers and, and, and uh, one of them being um, Pastor Isaac in Zimbabwe, you know, it, it, we, we remind ourselves that we're not in this for numbers and we're not in this for money. We're in this to make disciples. Okay? And so our aim on a Sunday is never entertainment. You can get better entertainment at the movies. Unless you go and watch what's at Sound of Freedom. That's not entertainment. <laughs> go watch something more entertaining. The point is, is we're not here to entertain you. Okay? We're here to build you. And that, some people don't like that. So that's why they don't come so often. Because it's uncomfortable. Because growth is, uh, is challenging. To quote uh, Etienne from Tigerberg, challenging word is a good word. Good word is a challenging word. See, I'm not quoting myself there. But the point is, is that, you know, we, we're here to build disciples. So, you know, we might need to make some adjustments here in moving forward as a, as a church. For example, meet somewhere else so we don't have the overheads here so that we can keep making disciples. We might flip to a morning service because we can't find an evening service venue. So we, we're doing what we can to figure out how can we carry on without the... Because what's happening at the moment finance-wise is the, the money that we need here is coming from all the other pastors' salaries. And so they're being paid a large percentage less to be able to keep this going, which is dishonoring to them, actually, according to the Word. Because the Word, that, that's out of balance then. But that's how, like self-sacrificially, the, the, the leadership gives with regards to the mission. Because we believe in it. Okay? We believe in it. We're like, this is something that needs to happen. We can't shut down because, not because there's many churches in Rondebosch. There are many churches in Rondebosch. If you don't like this, you can find many others. But the point is, is we've got a message, we've got a community gathering around the message, and there's more people to reach than what we're reaching now. And as we build into you, we believe we'll reach more people. And I mean, you know, we've had people coming from Musenberg and all sorts of places just to be here to receive the word. And so we're reaching much further than um, Rondebosch. You know, we, we travel from Malmesbury every week. Why? Because we believe in this. Many of you travel from far. Why? Because we believe in this. And so it's not for us about entertainment or a nice gathering or making some friends, although those things are nice. And I think I'm entertaining most Sundays. But the point is, is that we want to establish you because, you know, the thing that changed my life is being established in truth. And that's what caused a fruitfulness that resulted in grace life even. In a sense of starting a church which has got five campuses, I think, and is, you know, doing whatever it's doing. The point is, is that we're not here for numbers, although we like numbers, and we're not here for money, although we all like money. We're here because we want to make disciples to honor Jesus and expand His kingdom. Okay, so, next verse, 1 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 15. But if I tarry long... That's quite an awesome statement, actually. If I tarry long, if I take long, <laughs> that, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. You know, whilst we're together, this is what this is saying, we are the house of God. The living God is here among us. Okay? And we're a pillar and a ground of truth. That's how we should be in Every single person that's represented here, our households and in the community, a pillar of truth that's making an impact. Okay? Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and 42. They that received his, <clears throat> his word were baptized, and that same day they were added to them about 3,000 souls, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, talking about teaching. They were committed to the teaching and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. So this shows us that although there was a large social element in church, breaking of bread talks about sharing a meal. They were sharing meals and they were communing to each, with each other. The, the, the purpose of the church is it's not a social gathering. 
It's gathering around the, the Word. That's why, you know, I, I put it today that we're, we're looking forward to fellowshipping around the Word. You know, we, we fellowship around the Word. We don't fellowship around, like, I mean, we can go and, and watch rugby or whatever and as, as a community and enjoy it and have a great time doing other things. But that's not church. That's the believers going to do something social for relational purposes or for outreach purposes. And that's awesome. We're not against that. But church is when the word is taught and people are learning and receiving. And there's growth. That's, that's church. Church cannot exclude the word. A worship service is not church. It's a worship service. Friday night ministry night is not really church. There's a little bit of teaching which kind of constitutes it as church. <laughs> but it's mostly, let's, we, we would call it, a, a lot of um, uh, ministries out there would call it something like a Holy Spirit meeting or a Holy Ghost meeting. Why? Because all we're doing is allowing the Spirit to move through each other in ministering to one another. So, you know, what this is saying is that the church is not a social gathering, a political gathering, a business gathering, or any gathering like that. It's not uh, just for fellowship. It's fellowship in the Word. Okay? Fellowship in the Word. This is our training ground. This is our classroom. You know, church is where we're fed the Word and we're instructed in righteousness so that we can live the life that we're called to live. You know, if we change uh, the church service for comedy, to be a, a, a comedy show or something like that, <laughs> we lose the power. If we're trying to be entertaining more than we are trying to be instructing, we lose the power. Then it's not church. A lot of churches will bring in a comedian to entertain the people on a Sunday morning because you know, they've heard enough teaching. It's not Bible. As nice as it is, I enjoy that sometimes. But yeah, you can do that on a Friday night or a Saturday or something. <clears throat> Anyway, the, 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 the church service is your opportunity for spiritual growth. And yes, you can grow at home by yourself, but that's not God's will for you. And so you won't grow perfectly by yourself. You can't. It's not designed. God didn't set it up like that. It's impossible, actually. Revelation 3.17 Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increase with goods. He's writing to a church here. Okay? Because thou sayest, I am rich, and I have increased with goods, and I have everything I need, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. How many of you have that one on your fridge at home? <laughs> Jesus is speaking to a church that has a lot of material wealth and riches, and he's saying that you're naked, you're blind, you're miserable, you're wretched, and you're poor. That's Jesus speaking. <laughs> okay? He's showing that money and riches don't define the blessing of God. And so often we feel condemned because I don't have a lot, and so that must mean where's God's presence, or God's blessing's not on my life. Uh-uh. What happens when persecution hits? Is that God removing His blessing? What happens if, like, the devil took over and now we can't uh, 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 afford to buy anything? <laughs> you know? making a, a, a very extreme cases here. But like, it's not like the blessing of God was removed. We live in difficult times. So just because you don't have, doesn't mean you don't have faith. You might not have wisdom. You might be operating out of ignorance. And you might not be trusting God. But the point is, is that you can be a, a strong believer, you can be a mature believer, and still not have money. Why? Because the Bible's not about money. Okay? And there's a lot that I can say on that, but I, I, I can't, for time's sake. You, you can uh, have all the money in the world. The, we'll see this in many different scriptures, but you can have all the money in the world. You can be rich in wealth and not be rich towards God. Because the, when the Bible speaks of rich towards God, it's talking about generosity. It's talking about your heart and how your, what, what's your heart like towards God. So the purpose of us coming together is to equip you to live in His purpose and live on purpose. That's it. And yes, we minister to needs. Yes, we encourage one another. Yes, we bless one another. We have a good time. We can laugh. We can sing. We can dance. We can do whatever. But at the central point and purpose of it is let's feast on the Word. Often we've had burivos 
rolls here and stuff. You know? And uh, 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 that's a feast. But that's not the purpose of it. That's just to add value. Amen? We enjoy that. But it's not uh, all that there is. So, you know, building on from that, I'll say the... Talk a, a little bit about finances and financing the gospel. Not just because uh, the finances is low here, but because, there's, because it's important for us all to make sure that we understand money and the Word. Now, I can get into this a lot in many different angles, and there's so many things that we can share that I can't share because we've, we've got limited time. And so I'm just touching on something to challenge each one of us in our walk with God so I'm doing what I can do in the last bit of time that's together. Okay. So, you know, for us, as I've said, it's not about the numbers. It's about uh, impacting people's lives and making disciples. Jesus said, go make disciples, which results in planting churches. And in order to do these things, obviously money is necessary. Okay. And as believers, we've got a responsibility towards that. Okay. Um. And there's a, there's a number of, I mean, for those of you who are giving and are generous, we thank you for that because it's helping. But there's a lot of people who aren't. And I understand some are unemployed, some are going through difficult times, some are students and whatever. So there's no pressure. And you know us, we've never put pressure on people to give. But it's our responsibility to educate you to give. We don't receive a salary from Rondebosch. So it's not about me receiving a salary or not. It's about us keeping the lights on so that we can reach more people. So it's got nothing to do with my personal finances. It's got everything to do with this family being able to stay here so we can keep making an impact. Okay? So often people don't give because of ignorance. And so that's why we teach on it. Okay? To make sure that that's not the problem. Um... But I think it's important to start off by saying, you know, we don't give. Why do we give? We don't give for our own benefit. And this is something that's gripped the church worldwide that makes people only give for their own benefit. The same teachings, uh, the same uh, conferences that I've uh, been at on church growth, they'll teach you that when it comes to uh, um, sharing about offering and, and, and taking an offering, the reason, or you've got to make sure people have... Uh, to get involved and in order to give, you've got to make sure that they understand what, how is it going to benefit them. And that's marketing 101, really. How is this going to benefit me? We're not going to do, we don't do that in the church. <laughs> okay? Your giving is going to benefit the church. Your, benef your giving is going to benefit the kingdom. Your giving is going to benefit eternity. And you'll get eternal rewards, but you might not get anything in this life. The church has turned that on the head and misused a lot of verses to say that your giving is going to bless you now. And you're sown to this ministry and you'll get a hundredfold return, tenfold return, whatever fold return. And you know what that is? It's greed. It's covetousness. It's not a love for God and it's not a love for the kingdom. And so we can take time to, to uproot that, but not tonight. All I'm doing tonight is touching on something. All of us as believers have a critical role to play in the advancing of the kingdom. All of us. Whether you've got a little or whether you've got a lot. Every single one has a part to play in the advancing of the kingdom. <clears throat> okay? And um, a lie... Did you know that a lie can be heavily financed? A lie can be financed so much that it, people think it's a truth. And that's not God's will, right? You don't, don't, don't sound convinced. Matthew chapter 28, verse 5 to 6. The angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not, <coughs> fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come and see where the, pla the place where the Lord lay. So Jesus was raised from the dead. Amen? Amen. You believe that? Yes. <laughs> he rose from the dead. The tomb was empty. Okay, there's eyewitnesses throughout the Gospels that say the tomb was empty. Okay, now look at verse 11 to 15. Now, when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed the chief priests all the things that were done. The empty tomb, etc. Okay? And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, 
they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye that his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. A lie being financed. Okay? And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. We'll look after you and we'll tell him that what you said is the truth. A lie being financed. So they took the money. How much money? It said large money. A lot of money. They took the money and they did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported amongst the Jews until this day. That lie is still going today. What's the lie? The disciples stole the body. <laughs> There's evidence against that, but the lie was so heavily financed that some people still believe that lie. Okay? So, they had uh, committed a large amount of money to this lie, and this lie still carries on till today. So how much effect do you think that that financing of that lie has had up until this day? It's had, you, maybe it hasn't affected you, but it has affected many people. So now think about if we finance the kingdom, how much our financing of the kingdom influences people for generations to come. You know, someone reached you, maybe you grew up in a Christian home, but if you didn't, Someone reached you, and that might not have been a paid minister, but someone reached that, that person through a paid minister, or uh, through, uh, the gospel takes money to get out. You know, to, to, in order to equip people and teach people, it takes, it takes finances to get all of those type of things done. It doesn't just happen by accident. And so, you know, what we see in Matthew chapter 28 here, with these, two, with these couple of verses, is that um, people are sponsoring a lie to try and combat the truth. And so this shows us, like, as believers, we actually have to have a greater commitment to financing the gospel. We need to have a greater commitment to financing the gospel. And I'll say this, it's not just about financing the gospel, it's about carrying the gospel, sharing the gospel ourselves. Okay? When do we stop? When the need is met. Remember, we give to meet the need of the gospel. We give to meet the need of people. The, the, uh, that we give to be a blessing to other people. We give until the, meet, the need is not there. When the need is met, then we stop. Okay? So if you look at every New Testament letter, giving is mentioned. That's amazing, actually. They speak about giving. Okay, so that shows how important it really is. And uh, being a, a financial partner in God's work is not just for those who have lots of money. It's for all of us. It's for everyone uh, to be part of this. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, 2, and 3 from the Passion. Beloved ones, we must tell you about the grace of God poured out upon the churches of Macedonia. For even during a season of severe difficulty, tremendous suffering, and extreme poverty, their superabundant joy overflowed into an act of extravagant generosity. For I can verify that they spontaneously gave, not only according to their own means, but far beyond what they could afford. That's showing how much the gospel had impacted this, these poor believers. Let's call it what it is. Well, money-wise, they were poor. And yet they gave generously for what purpose? To meet someone else's need. That's, that's huge. That, that's really huge. I mean, you know, it blessed me. I didn't... Uh, uh, when, when I go to our sister church in Zimbabwe, for example, and, um, you know, they're not experiencing wealth and, and all of that type of stuff because of the economic conditions there. But often they have taken offerings for us as a church. We've done the same for them when they've gone through difficulties. But they'll even give and it's like, wow. You know, and, and it's an insult to give it back. Because they have purposed in their heart they want to be a blessing. And it shows you, you know, uh, when I was there last, um, Pastor Isaac told me about this one lady. Some, some of you might remember this one. Um, there's this really old lady. Okay, so we call her Google. <laughs> And she contacted Pastor Isaac and said, you know, Pastor Isaac, 
I, uh, uh, I've been trying to get hold of you. And she went up to him at church and said, here you go. Here's, I think it was $10 for airtime. You're always ministering to all of us and you're always going everywhere and you're always so busy looking after us and I've just felt on my heart I want to give you this $10 for airtime. And he was about to say, please don't, like, please take this. You know, I don't need this. Because he doesn't. He, he didn't need it. But he realized that's her way of being part of the gospel. So he said, thank you so much, Mom. And he prayed for her and he took it and he put it into the church for, the, for, for at least for um, airtime. He didn't need it, but he put it in for airtime. <clears throat> See, this is, this is generosity. Is I can't, you don't give beyond your means, but you, you give according to your means, but you give from your heart. So we don't merely give because we, we need to give or to get something. We give to meet the need, number one, of the gospel. Okay? We don't give to meet the needs of the SPCA. I love animals. We can give to the SPCA, but first and foremost, we give to the gospel before we give to other causes. Okay? We don't give to other causes if we're not giving to the gospel. That's, that's a, 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 I'll even say, an insult to God. Because our purpose is to fund the gospel and spread the gospel, the message of God's love and goodness. Then we have a responsibility to steward the earth and to look after the earth so then we can look after everything else. Okay? And that's important. The person who started the SBCA was a Christian because he believed in, his, um, in our responsibility to look after the animals and to look after the world. But he was giving to his church before that. So we don't give just to meet causes and needs in the world. We give to the work of the gospel through the local church. And uh, as we feel need, like uh, as a church... We, we take up, a, we receive the offering and we give even to people who are in need in the church. We had a great testimony of this. Where were we recently? It was at the men's camp. And uh, someone testified about how during COVID they were overwhelmed with the support from the church. And some of you experienced that where we drop off groceries and we bring meals. And, and at one stage, the one family had to say, please, a lot of people had to say, please stop. We don't have space in our fridge anymore. Because, I mean, you have COVID, you can't really eat much, eh? So now you're just being overwhelmed with all of this stuff. And we didn't do that because as a church we have lots of money. We invited people to give, and people gave more money, and we stewarded that money to look after people. You know, so that's important. important you know, it's an important part of church where in the Acts you see it. They, they sold their possessions, and they came and laid it at the apostles' feet. What does that mean? It means that they submitted it. They gave it to the church to be able to distribute among those who had need. So it doesn't mean those who didn't have faith. Hello? It, it meant those who didn't have physical, not those who didn't have faith. They were in the household of God, so they had faith. They just were struggling with their finances. So you don't give to meet your need. You don't give for your own benefit. You give to meet the needs of the gospel and the needs of others. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, 31 to 33. I really felt to encourage us with a couple of verses here. It says, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For all, after all these things do the Gentiles seek. I prefer the King James. It says the heathen. Sounds stronger. Amen? So the heathen, they seek these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. You know, what this is saying is, don't worry. Don't be concerned about just your needs. Your heavenly Father knows that you have these needs. And this is just an encouragement to trust Him. The money's not going to drop from the sky. He might give you wisdom. He might give you an opportunity, uh, 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 you know, to, to work. That's how money comes. But God is a provider. He looks after us. Amen. We've experienced that time and time again. But here's the thing. I doubt that you would be able to trust God if you're stingy. Why do I say that? Because if we're stingy, we're holding on to everything we've got and we're not focused in on my God who's looking after. We, we're focused in on me, I, I, I'm going to make this work. We're not trusting Him. That's why even just giving a little bit is so important because it's a demonstration of your faith. 
It's not a, I'm going to give 10 rand and I'm trusting for 100 rand back. You're not doing that. But it's a giving and saying, God, I can use this to pay something, but I'm giving you this 10 bucks because I believe it's going to make a difference in the bigger part, in the bigger scheme of things. So I'm giving this because I love you. I mean, that's one of the reasons we give, because we love God. I was thinking about that, I think, last night before I went to bed, and I was thinking about how we make that statement. I give because I love God. I don't want to say the opposite of that. <laughs> I don't give because I don't love a God. Because like, I know that that's not true. But if you truly love God, why aren't you giving? Because it's a way of prioritizing God and His kingdom. And saying, God, I'm thankful for what you've done in my life, and I want you to do it in someone else's. So here you go. Even if, I mean, you know, we, we, I've lived on partnership support since 2008. So that means family and friends supporting me uh, and not living off of a salary. So you can imagine, it's up and down and all around. Okay? So it's not a constant and it's not consistent. But I've had some people who would give sometimes maybe a thousand or two thousand rand a month, but some, most gifts are like 150. People aren't tithing to me. They're giving beyond their tithes to me. They're giving their tithes to their church or whatever they're doing. But usually people are giving to me in a sense of, I believe in what you're doing and I want to be part of it. And what's really awesome is that sometimes people would give 50 rand. And you're like, what's that? Two and a half coffees at that stage? And you're like, wow, that's awesome. Thank you. you know? But for them, it's a lot. It's a lot. And so, you know, it's not about the amount, it's about the heart. Okay? So we mustn't, we, we, we need to prioritize God's kingdom and then provision flows, really. Because it's, it's a demonstration of your faith. It's helping you keep an ho- open heart and knowing that God, uh, you're my provider. I know that you'll sort this out. And how does he sort it out? Well, he sorts it out through wisdom. He sorts it out through favor, through opportunities. The money never drops from the sky. He works through people. But it's a way of, like, if you trust in God, He'll get it to you. Through some way. Okay? Not as a reward. Not as a reward. Yeah, He doesn't provide according to your giving, but He he gives because you're His child and He wants to look after you. So, if you're not giving, it's not like He's not going to give because you're not giving. It's more like uh, uh, you're just not trusting Him. Because if you were giving, if you were trusting Him, then you would also give. That, that, I don't know how else to explain that. Except by asking the question, are you really trusting Him? Are you relying on Him? And is your heart fully in His work? Is your heart fully in His work? You know, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So, are you merely investing into this life or into eternity? Now, if you invest into this life, where do you get a return? This life. If you invest, invest into eternity, where do you get your return? <laughs> it's in eternity. Okay? And eternity is longer than this life, in case you didn't do the math properly. Okay? So, you've got to think about where is your treasure? Where is your heart? If you want your heart to be more in uh, uh, what God is doing, then we should put more into what God is doing. You know, uh, uh, you might be enjoying church, you might be receiving, you might be growing and whatever, but if you're not giving, is your heart really in it, is the question. Is your heart really in it? Because uh, uh, the Bible says otherwise. And it's not about, uh, uh, once again, trying to get as much as we can from you, It's about us together advancing the kingdom because we do that through finances as well. We do that through inviting people to come to church. We do that through going out and sharing the gospel. You know, as Grace Life, we, if if you've been with us a while, you'll know this. We don't push and pull for money, number one, but we also don't charge for anything. We had a charge for the men's camp. As always, if anyone said, I can't afford it, they paid for. How? 
we don't know. We just say, you're paid for, don't worry. <laughs> we don't charge for ministry school. We're charging for boot camp. Why? Because there's a lot of things involved in it. But anyone says, I can't pay for it. What do we do? It's paid for, don't worry. You want to go on a mission trip? You must raise the money. <laughs> we don't pay for that. We can't do that. But the point is, is that we don't withhold from people that are part of the family. You know, if someone in the family says, hey, I'm going through a rough time, as central elders will pray and we try and figure out and make a plan on how to help. And we usually don't say no, but we can't say yes completely. Okay, so we, 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 we're not um, just in this for ourselves, we're in this as a family to advance the kingdom. You know, one of the, the, the things that really blessed me the most a while back was when we were correcting our teaching on finances. Not necessarily our teaching, but people's understanding of our teaching. <laughs> because we weren't really teaching very strong on it, but there was a lot of people in our circle who are into give, give to get. And so we went through a couple of weeks of undoing that on a Wednesday night, and I would teach on it, and we would get into it for about an hour, maybe two, and um, a lot of people weren't happy with that, and they went off with their greed, which is fine. But uh, the point is, is it really reset things for people. And during that time, I saw so many people free from this burden of, I'm not giving so God can't bless me. God can bless you whether you're giving or not. If you don't have, then you can, you can still trust Him, but what's going on in your heart is the question. But anyway, when it came to this, I remember we had a mission trip coming up. My computer died, <laughs> which is a big deal. And uh, uh, it was taking like 30 minutes to open Word. So that's how it was dying, very slowly. And then uh, there was something else with the mission trip. And there was, there was an individual who's just sat through all of my teaching on, you don't give and receive, you give to meet the need, and your reward is in heaven. <laughs> and they bought me a new computer. They chose not to go on the mission so that they could give, it, give the, the computer. And they sponsored someone to go on the mission. And I was like, you're not working. <laughs> How are you doing this? You know, I don't, it doesn't matter, but the generosity just began to flow. But, I mean, people who have little and will give a hundred rand towards the mission, same generosity. So I'm not saying more money is more impressive, but I was like, you're giving so much and it's not to, to, to try and build up a bank account here. You know, you're not trusting God for your return. When's my ship coming in? You're giving because of love, because you want the gospel to get up. And that's the heart that we should have with that. So, in conclusion, we are centered around the gospel. Our message is the gospel, and the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. As, a, as people, we receive this message, and then it changes us, it transforms us, and we gather around this message. Part of gathering around this message, obviously that's church, but we gather around this message so that it can change us and transform us and mature us and grow us so that we can help other people get this message. Part of that involves giving to the community so that this message can get out. And our vision is not this, what you see here today. Our vision has never been what we see here today. For the last three years, it hasn't been what has happened in this room. Our vision is to reach more people, not people at other churches, <laughs> to reach the lost that are here. There's a growing Muslim community here. There's a growing Muslim community, which Pastor Isaac in Zimbabwe said, that's why we need to be in Cape Town. And I agree with him. We need to reach the growing Muslim community. Why? Because they are the one greatest threat to Christianity in the world. And so if we don't do it, who will? And we're not doing this with a smoke machine and cameras and whatever else. You know, if that comes, I don't think we'll allow it. But the point is, we're wanting people to receive the message. It's not so we can have a, a, the pastor can have a new car. Okay? That's not the reason. Those things are necessary, but the primary thing is we want to reach more people. This building is awesome and it's been great. But if we need to change it to facilitate reaching more people, we will. Not the actual building, meaning we move. Okay? They won't appreciate it if we come and change their building. But that's the point. Amen? So, Father, I thank you.
that we all have a part to play in your kingdom work. Thank you for the gospel, the message of your uh, forgiveness, your love, your grace, your mercy. And I thank you, Father, that we, uh, it's, it's, it's done so much for us. It's set us free. It's set us up to live a life of victory and freedom. And I thank you, Father, that uh, as we gather, the, the family is something that's enriching for us. Thank you that we have the privilege of being able to give towards all of this. But Father, I thank you that no one would have any sense of guilt or condemnation or shame because of their giving or their lack of giving, but that they would realize that it's, it's, uh, they can only give what they have, number one, and that they would realize that they can give generously, even if they're only giving a little. It's about the heart. And we're all called to be part of what you're doing through finances, through through uh, 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 being a part of it and serving and taking this gospel to the ends of the earth, Father. Father, we just thank you for your love. I thank you for your goodness. Thank you that uh, in you we have such freedom. I just feel like God's wanting you to know that. Like, there is such freedom. You don't have to give, you get to give. You don't have to give, you get to give. You don't have to go to church, you get to go to church. But it's for your benefit to give. It's for your benefit to go to church. Thank you, Father, for just every single person that's here and for the calling that's on their life. And as they uh, attend and as they're part of, I thank you that we as leaders, including Etienne, we have the privilege of equipping each person here, of ministering to them and helping them to be able to mature and grow so that they are able to be all that you've created them to be and to, to uh, uh, reach the people that you've created them to reach that are under their influence, Father. We just thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.co. And if you're ever in the Cape Town area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.co.